the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The following podcast was recorded live at Sage Summit 2017 in Atlanta, Georgia. Like a chrysalis, we're emerging from the economy of the Industrial Revolution, an economy confined to and limited by the Earth's physical resources into the economy in mind, in which there are no bounds on human imagination, and the freedom to create is the most precious natural resource. Welcome to the Soul of Enterprise, Business in the Knowledge Economy, sponsored by SAGE, energizing business builders around the world through the imagination of our people and the power of technology. I'm Ed Kless with my friend and co-host Ron Baker, and on today's show, Accounting Innovation, It's Not an Oxymoron. <laughs> well, Ron, how are you doing? It sounds like one to me. No, I'm doing great, <laughs> Sounds doing like great. one to you, and you're a CPA. <laughs> Uh, so recovering. The recovering yeah. CPA always introduces himself as recovering CPA. So uh, we are here live before a studio audience at Sage Summit 2017 in Atlanta. And we are thrilled to be talking to you. Ron and I are going to chat for a bit, but we have four wonderful guests that we want to introduce to you. And then we're also going to have interaction from the audience itself asking questions. Uh, and then we'll, we will be uh, playing this on our show, possibly two shows, depending upon how good the guests are. There's no pressure, because we can extend it into two shows. But you have to say something really good for all of it. All right, no pressure. But we have a fantastic panel. Let me uh, a quick introduce them to all of you. First of all, to my extreme right, uh, those of you on the radio can't see this, but it's okay. Uh, on my extreme right, we have Tom Hood, who's the Executive Director and CEO of the Ameri Maryland Association of CPAs. Welcome, Tom. All right. Next to Tom, we have Jody Paydar, who is the CEO and principal of New Vision CPA Group. And had a birthday yesterday. Was it yesterday or the day before? Sunday, Sunday, okay, so the day before, so happy birthday, Jody, that's fantastic. Uh, we have Ron Baker, and I'll, I've already introduced him, we'll talk, but now to my left, we have Gail Perry, who's the a CPA and editor-in-chief of the CPA Practice Advisor, so welcome, Gail. And lastly, but certainly not least, Gary Boomer, who is with Boomer Consulting Visionary and Strategist. Welcome, Gary Boomer, thanks. We really felt that talking about accounting innovation, when I say we, this is Ron and myself, was an important point, uh, especially around this conference. Uh, it, it is often termed an oxymoron because there have, haven't been a lot of innovations. And Ron, you, I, I'm going to let you start with the first question to our <laughs> panel on that because I know you, you want to get like, right into snark. So let's, let's just go. Full, well, full it's on. not snark, but I'll ask, I'll ask you all, and anybody can chime in on this. Please tell me the last innovation from the accounting profession from the ground up. So it's not double-entry bookkeeping from Father Pacioli. <laughs> what was the last accounting profession innovation from the ground up? Trick question. Nope, it's not a trick question. There is an answer to it. 
Ron has an answer to it. Who, who wants to jump in first? Go for it. The 10 key? No. No? XBRL. No. I don't think that's an accounting profession innovation. But I know we could probably have a conversation about that. I just think that's an expansion of data management. I'm talking about a new service offered by the profession to the public that only the profession offers. Sock. Gary Gale. Da, na, 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 na. A new service that only the profession offers. There you go. Correct. Well, it'd have to be something around web services, uh, SysTrust, or something like that, which I wouldn't. It may be innovative. It certainly wasn't uh, generating of high dollars. Okay. Right, and, and I don't think it was started by the profession. That's that's the other thing. I'm talking about something that was started by the profession. I think like web trust and things like that. There were other entities out there doing it. All right, Gail, you're up. Last one. Last last hope for the profession right here, because you'd have to know the interior of Baker's mind in order to be able to figure this one out, though. Yeah. So go. <laughs> you don't want to go there. I'm completely clueless in that regard. Okay, Ron, enlighten us, please. Folks, it was the 1978 uh, SAS. Uh, not regulation, SAS pronouncements that created the compilation and the review. SARS, thank you, Tom. I knew you'd do that. I'm a re that's why I'm a recovering CEO. <laughs> but, but just, I, not, I, don't, I don't mean to be snarky, but I just mean to be factual. It's 1978, that's what, 32, so we're on a 49-year <laughs> innovation curve. If we were any other industry, like technology, we'd be... We'd be poured over by paleontologists <laughs> at this point. So I just, I, I think I find that compelling. Why is that a problem, Ron? Well, because I just don't think that our profession innovates that much. And that's why I wanted to get the insights of these four brilliant people and, and talk about how could the profession innovate more? How could we bring, because we have unique skills that no other profession has, and we don't seem to be harnessing that to bring new products and services to the marketplace. We seem to be relying on the same old compliance, regulatory revenue that we have been. Any thoughts on that before we move on? I, I know you do, Tom, so go. Bring it up. Come on. Well, I, I mean, you make a good point. I think the, the profession is risk adverse. That's, you know, one of the, that's probably one of the strong suits in some cases that becomes a, a liability when you're in a fast changing environment. I mean, I would say that, that the future is going to be about CPAs partnering with groups like Sage. Uh, to be able to leverage technology because any innovation today is going to have a technology component to it and that's about reimagining services that could leverage technology at least in my opinion from that Fair enough. Good stuff. Well, and I think maybe that's what we're, we're talking about. I'll broaden out here. It's just net, net, not necessarily accounting innovation, but innovation in accounting. I'm going to throw a little preposition in there just to, to broaden that out and say there, what's the innovation in accounting? Uh, it doesn't have to be what you know the accounting. I would guess the triple entry bookkeeping would be an innovation at some point, right? Would right. you like, yeah, like, which you know, if you I he, used to hear chuckles when I said that, but that's actually a reality, right? The po the possibility of blockchain introduces this notion of the potential of triple entry bookkeeping, and or in a, in a way, it's almost even pre-single entry, right? Because it's just, we all agree that this transaction happened and it's done. There's no debit credit, there's just one ledger. 
that need that we all will look at. So anyway, uh, that's what I would throw out there as, as a potential innovation. But let's, let's, let's talk a little bit about some of the things that, that I know this uh, great panel knows a, a lot about. I'm going to, uh, Jody, I'm gonna, as the birthday girl, I'm going to start with you. Okay. <laughs> okay. And I know that you, you have a, a passion uh, around how CPAs need to think more like product managers. And I wouldn't mind if you would just unpack that for us and explain what you mean by that to this group and give, give some thoughts on it. Sure. So I think when you think about how innovation and change comes up and you think about a product or something, I always like software because I think software is always ever-changing, right? And, and it's like version one, version two, version three. And I think as CPAs now, we really need to think about our services as being productized services and we need them to be obviously ethically correct and, and um, the numbers have to be correct on them. But then I think we need to add new technologies on top of them and continue to iterate on the product we're selling. So I think version one of them is kind of this package services or this productized service model where you include you know, bookkeeping tax and payroll and you bundle it together, right? That's version one. But what I've seen is all these other accountants like basically copying that and saying, okay, now I'm going to sell that. And I think to take us into the future, the innovation is, is we need to think as a product manager, and yeah, those are our core services, and that's what we're selling, but how are we going to innovate around them with adding new technologies? And then it allows us to you know, continually innovate within our firms. So like when um, Peg comes in, right, the bot comes in, now how does the bot play on top of that, right? And that's how we need to evolve and move forward because otherwise if all we do is say, okay, here's a package service and everybody copies every other firm that has created a package service, we're going to have a bunch of copiers again and no more innovation. Great. Any uh, panelists, additional thoughts on that? Tom, no? Anybody? Good? Yeah, I'll, yeah. Uh, I'll expand on that a little bit. And I think that we're members of the accounting profession talking about innovation. So <laughs> what sounds really exciting and innovative to us may not really sound like a big step to the outside world. But um, at least as someone who reports on what's happening in the profession, one thing I'm seeing that seems rather innovative, um, in addition to the various technology elements that are making our workload different. Uh, we're also seeing accountants kind of getting out from behind the desk and getting under the skin of their clients and um, becoming more focused on what that client business is and how it runs and rather than just as we spoke this morning about just reporting on the past, really trying to understand the business well enough to know what could happen and what changes could be made to uh, to control the outcome of events within a company. So it's, you know, that seems kind of innovative for a lot of accountants who mm -hmm. are used to just doing the mundane, routine sort of day-to-day -day work that they've done for the last... Just compliance stuff, but, but foresight, you know, giving, yeah. giving people... in. in, in Understanding around the numbers, as Jennifer Wara earlier said, you know the, the numbers tell a story. You have to be a storyteller right. in order to relate that back to people. And that's so. a change, and they don't teach that in school. In no, school. there's no like accounting storytelling. Yeah, there's no, not. There's not, not that. I would, I mean, we need to need to add that as a class. <laughs> 
So, um, Gail, let's just stick with you for a second. And I, I know that being someone who's in uh, the, the journalist profession and writing about accounting, that you have a passion for a notion of communication. What are some of the things from a, innovations around communication are you seeing within the profession? Um, yeah, I could talk for a long time about this, and in fact, just as a plug, uh, tomorrow at Sage Summit, I will be talking for <laughs> a whole hour about this. We're not going to let you talk for a whole hour now, because we don't want to give your session again. You get it you know, tomorrow, but go ahead. But in general, what I'm seeing is a, a, an interesting clash between um, new technology that's providing us with new options for communicating, and generations that have completely different outlooks on how that technology should be used. And it provides a really fascinating tug of war in the business world um, between people who may want to uh, communicate in what we, what we older members of the profession might refer to as a, a dignified professional <laughs> manner mm. and what younger people in the profession, and I don't mean to necessarily segregate it by generation, but it, it sometimes tends to fall along those lines. What younger people might think of as a more proactive, easy, you know, a technically advantageous method of communicating. So what you see is instead of people coming together, you see like people going to separate corners. I want to communicate this way, and younger people saying, I want to communicate this way, and um, and you don't understand me, and I don't understand you, and it, it just, it's an odd clash, and I, the well, innovation angle is come, finding a way to come together and respect each other and sure. communicate in a way that everyone can understand. Well, I, I mean, I'll give you an example of this for my personal life. I, I don't know about, maybe, uh, I turned 50, so I don't know what generation, doesn't matter. But and that, by the way, that's this Friday, you know, the show we did last week, uh, when you hear this, will be about the, you know, why we think this generation's at work is a lot of hokum, because it really, you know, it's just a different way to describe old people and young people. I don't know what the deal is. But um, I'll tell you this, though. I've come to the conclusion, like, if I get a, if, if you call me, on my cell phone without first having texted me that you're going to call, you are a rude person in my book. <laughs> that's just like, I, and I, that's not how I grew up, but that's in my brain now. Like, why? You, you're not on my calendar. How dare you just call? <laughs> now, and I'm not necessarily talking about colleagues where we're working on something, but just kind of a random thing. So you used to send me a text to let me know you're going to call. I don't know, if, is that a, an example of that? Like it, and I'm over-exaggerating to, to tell the story, but I think there's a lot of people who think that way. Yeah, no, there's a, that's a really good example, and I think that um, getting people on board with that who've grown up with the, the concept of meetings are done in person and, uh, and telephone calls are scheduled mm -hmm. and... Uh, and dealing, I mean, just dealing with my children. I mean, they'll text me. They'll text me. That's our main form of communication is text, even if we're in the same room. But, right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. I, I'm with you. I've got two younger kids. I, I call this 21st century parenting, by the way. I have two kids. They're at opposite ends of the couch. Opposite ends of the couch. Mm -hmm. Like, one's here, one's here. Right? And they're both, like, on the device. And I hear, Carol, leave me alone. All right? They are 15 feet from each other. What are they doing? They're messing with each other in their Minecraft world. That concludes the first segment of our show, Accounting Innovation. It's not an oxymoron. Recorded live at Sage Summit 2017 in Atlanta, Georgia. 
And now a word from our sponsor, Leading Results. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. If Google can't find you, do you exist at all? At Leading Results, we want to help you get found locally, both in search engines and directories. We want to help you have an outstanding reputation online. And we want to help you get those blogs written and interact on social media. Simply put, Leading Results helps customers find you. By working with our team, your practice grows and your profitability improves. Focus on what you do best and delight clients. Leave the marketing and lead generation to us. To learn more, go to leadingresults.com slash packages. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the foreword to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its foreword. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the foreword and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. All right, Ron, what do you got? I want bounce, well, I wanted to bounce back to Jody since you're the only practicing CPA up here, okay? <laughs> and I, uh, technology in the past has freed up capacity. So if you look at the accounting profession in the 70s and the 80s when the, when the computer hit the desk, uh, it basically freed up a lot of capacity. The profession took that capacity and did more and more of the type of work that I don't think it should have been doing in the first place. How do you see this technology being different? It's going to free up capacity, but what are we going to do with that capacity? Well, I would like to think that as CPAs we would take it and we'd add more value to our clients. I know that not all CPAs are doing that. A lot of CPAs are just adding more, right? Um, in my own practice, we've used it for business development, right? Thought leadership, um, marketing, right? So um, smaller firms can do a lot more to grow because they have additional capacity, um, but I think it's up to the individual CPA as to what they want to do with that additional capacity. And I think we're going to do things that we don't even know we're going to do yet because we don't even have the technology to do them. So um, I would like to think that we're a pretty smart bunch and that we'll figure out as the technology evolves what to do with our extra capacity. And the other thing is, is I would like to say, you know, we have a better lifestyle. The, the CPAs who are using technology to the fullest extent are not working 12-hour days for four months of the year. So um, if nothing else, I have a better family life. Right. And <laughs> which you can I work think, wherever you want. Absolutely, which I don't think is a bad thing. So we're making the same amount of money and we're not working the same amount of, we're not working all those crazy hours. So if technology does that for the profession as a whole, I think technology has solved one of the profession's biggest problems. Talk about for me just briefly, because I know you do it. If, if, if 
we become more efficient with this technology and we can do more in less time, why does the pricing model need to change? So, because how do you build two minutes? I mean, that's my favorite expression. If it only takes you two minutes to do something, how are you going to charge for it? And all of a sudden, then timekeeping goes out the window. And so then you have to change your pricing model. And when you change your pricing model, you change your management model. And when you change your management model, your whole firm like flip flops and you have to reevaluate and reinvent your business model. And so technology, I think, has pushed the business model and it's allowed um, the innovators in the space to redefine it and to help us figure out a new way of working with our customers and using um, not keeping time and that extra capacity to train our other CPAs and give them some of that um, extra trusted advisorness that I think old school firms haven't done in the past. Gary, you work with a lot of top 100 firms. What do you see them doing that you consider innovative? Well, I think, Not Mike, there you go. First, you have to uh, define innovation, and I'm going to give you a little historical perspective here that I think we often forget. And if you looked at the Renaissance period, that's often been called one of the greatest period of innovation. And what happened during that period is multidisciplines came together to be innovative. And directional innovation versus intersectional innovation is different. I think accountants, for the most part, are rugged individualists. At least my generation was. And the larger firms today are hiring a lot more non-accountant trained people, economists, business analysts, finance, technology, and they're bringing those people together to become innovative. The other thing that I think we miss oftentimes is mindset. We talk about the tool set and the skill set, but the mindset has to change. And so many people are defining success in their own way, but it's the traditional way of how much money you make, how much time you spend. And I think with innovation, you have to want to be a game changer. And if you want to be a game changer, you don't have to justify that based like needs. You just want to do that. And I'm seeing a lot of people in technology. I'm seeing the younger people in our profession now doing it because they want to do it, not because they need to do it. And that's what clients are asking for are the services that they want to buy not necessarily the ones that they need. And the other misconception is that accountants are the trusted business advisor. They're really the trusted technical advisor for the most part, with a few exceptions moving to the higher level of services, and those I would call the trusted business advisors. And the people that would come to a meeting like this are probably more on the trusted business advisor and not so much on the trusted technical advisor. So in the top 100 firms, we're seeing a big number, and even in the big four, less than 30% of the people they hire today have an accounting degree. And I know in our own company, with just under 20 people, I think we have three CPAs. Yeah, so they've expanded their labor pool that they can draw from. Yeah. 
Is that, is that due to true innovation, or is that due to the fact that there's just not people coming out of school with accounting degrees? No, there's a plenty of people coming out. The, the numbers are up. Numbers but are they up. just have a lot of different options. Plus, we're t- still teaching them how to be reporters and recorders, not consultative, if I can pronounce that. They're, they haven't been trained to be consultative. Uh-huh. So they're very focused on the past, perfection, and when you move up the value chain, it's more based on insight and foresight, and you're not always going to be right when you start predicting the future, but you can be a lot more accurate when you use this technology with regression analysis, and about all the CPAs have done is, you know, they've learned how to use a spreadsheet, so that's really their technology. Innovation is when they change the font and the way the dollar sign shows up. <laughs> Use Comic Sans. They're a funny accountant. <laughs> but but we're, we are seeing a lot of people. And it's not just young people, but I think the young people are driven to have a different lifestyle. And, and they don't want to do work that is meaningless just because it puts in time. They want to add value for their clients. Tom, you want to talk about two things with respect to this topic, I know. And the first one is the three types of innovation that you're seeing out there. Yeah, so we, we like to classify kind of three ways. And, and the first one is the way that most CPAs do innovate. I call that everyday innovation. Or you can think about it as a er innovation, right? E-R, like better, faster, cheaper. So that's a common way we always do it. The next one I look at is what I call differentiating innovation. That's where you're actually trying to position your business or your firm in a different way from your competitors. So you're trying to add something that they aren't doing uh, or that's brand new. So that's a next level of innovation. And the third one is the one that, quite frankly, is lacking right now in the profession, although I think people are starting to get to it and the technology is going to support it, but it would be exponential innovation. So when you start looking at what's going on in the world today with exponential technologies like artificial intelligence, blockchain, big data, et cetera, you're seeing the, the capability where you actually can leap ahead of your competition. Look at Tesla Motors and what they did to the auto industry, right? They just completely reinvented by using technology what could be, right? They did their whole part supply chain. Everything. They didn't use any traditional auto manufacturing to get to a car like they have, right? Now you can order one. There's like, I forget how many thousands of cars are already pre-ordered for when they get to the everyday vehicle. So those are the three types, right? Everyday, differentiating, and exponential. And I think right now it's time to really start. And what it takes is you have to start reimagining, like, what could this technology do for me? So I just came from a AAA, which is the Accounting Educators Conference, this past week in Virginia. And there, they're teaching students now. This has given me hope. A lot of classes on big data, machine learning. They're showing them visualization techniques, storytelling with financials. That impressed me. I didn't see that. I didn't see that coming from the educators, and that's a positive development. We should be doing that now in every one of our organizations, right? Storytelling, visualization, data analytics. That's the keys to this. That's what businesses need. So I think those will be the key pieces, I would say, from that standpoint. How, how do you see Watson, uh, and, and that's just a, one example, but uh, a technology like Watson, deep learning, machine learning, AI. I mean, Watson's got a little brother called Ross. Ross is already, he's a legal expert. He's already been hired by law firms. 
He's already running some law firms like bankruptcy units and things like that. How do you see that technology playing out in the profession? It's going to be huge. I just talked to a group that put out a, an artificial. They were in the original Watson team. They put out an audit support package. And so here's the quick story they gave us. This is like a couple of weeks ago. So they took a group of forensic auditors from one of the top firms in the country, and they gave them, they had this problem that they were trying to solve, find the bad transactions. So this big database of a company, they ended up identifying five-ish, five transactions that were suspect. It took that group four weeks, five of them four weeks to do that. The AI group came in and said, give us your data, and we'll see what we can do. So they said, all right, we're going to give you the data, but we got to tell you, you know, all the context, like what the company is, what the fields are called. They said, no, we don't need the context. Just give us the data file. And the guy's <laughs> like, you're kidding me, right? No, I don't, I don't need to know what's a debit or credit. I don't care what. Just give me the data. Four minutes, all five transactions popped out. Right. So I, that's, that's it. We've never seen that level of technology, and that's what worries me about our profession, worries about the accounting side, is that we haven't experienced this level of power in automation. And that four minutes today, next year, will be two minutes. The next year, it'll be one minute, right? I mean, that's where it's going. So, and it'll cost next to nothing. They're actually pricing this for, like, everyday accountants. So, you know, when it gets released, it's going to be a game changer. But if you're billing by the hour... You're dead, right? Because you're, instead of billing four man weeks times five, you're going to be billing four minutes and you'll go broke. So I, I think that's where we have to start thinking differently and really start saying, well, what could we do with that exponential technology? And I just want to jump in here, Tom, because you're saying, okay, well, this is a big company. This is, they, were, they were, had a big data set. We're trying to find the four transactions. And there's lots of people in this audience like, well, I work for, you know, I'm a sole prop or a two- or three-person firm. You know, we're not going to do big audits of that. What, how is that going to affect us? And what popped into my mind is, well, if you're on a, you know, a, a full SaaS solution where all of the transactions for all companies are available, well, guess what? We can ask the same question to that big data set that you know, show me the, the fraudulent transactions across multiple organizations and report back to the accountant. Correct, and that, that's actually what even Watson at those big levels is doing, right? So when you have a whole bunch of companies on there, then the, the machine learning is actually learning from everybody's data, not just your instance, right? You're starting to see that now. I imagine even Sage has probably got some of that if they're on a these big servers, Amazon Web or Google, whatever, they all have got machine learning baked into them. So when you get onto those systems, you're going to see that. You're going to see that same power for your clients. For instance, I think you're, you won't have to worry about bank recs. It's going to tell you what those transactions should be. You're going to go click yes, click no. I don't think you'll have to have general ledger accounts. I think it's going to be able to tell you what kind of code that's going to be as it learns from all the applications, right? You start getting on the cloud systems, that's what's going to, where it's going to be. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the foreword to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. 
The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480 294 6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com again that's jeff spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com voice america is where you are and where you want to be join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available don't forget to view all our live events including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events from the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Class. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. I can give you the example of blockchain and what it's going to do, but I think more important for you, because some of you think this is only happening in really big companies. We participate with Abundance 360, which is Ray Kurzweil and uh, Peter Diamandis, to see what this new technology is, and the leverage there is coming from the convergence of technology. And I don't know if you heard that term this morning, but when you converge blockchain, Internet of Things, and all the sensors plus AI, you get a real multiplier effect. So if you're a sole proprietor or a firm of 200 or 2,000 uh, in the accounting profession, the question I think you have to ask is about your thinking. In other words, these guys think differently than we do as accountants. We think 10% or incremental. Tom touched on uh, exponential thinking. Any question we now ask internally, would that work if we were 10 times larger? And how do we think at the 10x level rather than the 1.1x level? And they call these moonshots. Now, some of people my age, that wasn't what the kind of moonshot they grew up with. But they're thinking, no, I wasn't thinking that way. <laughs> they're, they're thinking, how are we going to change the world with this technology? And you heard about the disruption of jobs. Accounting is one of the highest probable jobs to be disrupted. But on the ones that are different, as Jennifer said, if, if you can be a linchpin, you're going to be in great shape. If you're not, you may be applying for, what is it, universal basic income in Sweden or in the U.S. at some point. Uh, my colleague uh, Pete and I were at a conference last week where, and I forget who the, the gentleman was, but he had this great quote about this. It says, if, if, if your job is replaced by a bot, your, your job probably sucks. 
Like, <laughs> or, like it, if, it, if it is replaced, it probably already sucks. <laughs> well, just think a lot of the jobs and how accountants have been paid. It's aggregation of data. And it's really, sometimes they even take it from digital format, print it out, scan it back in. And, and you know, it's, I have a term for that I can't use here. But a lot, of, a lot of people get caught in that. They're doing steps in their processes just because they've always done it, and it really adds no value. Gail, I want to bring you in here because what are you seeing from, a, from a, the press standpoint around this whole Watson thing? Is there anything that I haven't seen on the early reports on what's happening with Watson and its use at H&R Block. Have you seen anything like that? Uh, yeah, well, the, the wonderful thing about Watson that's uh, detrimental to the accounting profession is that um, not only can it do the work that auditors are doing and accountants are doing, but where an accountant will go in and do an audit and do spend weeks doing random sampling to mm -hmm. determine the validity of the numbers, Watson will go in and do 100% sampling. It's 100%. Right, and N equals all. There's no sample. It's exactly. just N equals There's all, no yeah. sample. And so it, it doesn't just make the accountant's work more efficient. It makes it irrelevant. Because why would you ever want a random sample when you could just have the entire 100% audit? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I think that's, that's the huge difference that I'm seeing, that it, it really is taking the largest chunk of accounting work and making it completely irrelevant. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I saw something that blew my mind. They, they said what they're learning from, or H&R Block is learning, they think three years from now, many of their tax returns will be able to be done without any interaction from a human being at all. It'll just be somebody talking to Watson at a, at a kiosk. Absolutely, and the IRS is completely on board with that happening. And, and I just wanted to add, and I'll recommend this book to the audience, uh, The Future of the Professions by Richard and Daniel Suskin. And the reason we love this book is they don't just talk about the accounting slash auditing profession in this book. They talk about doctors, architects, engineers, journalists, teachers, even members of the clergy. All professions are being disrupted by this technology. I, I think in five years, maybe less, you'll have Watson on your phone. You'll be able to hold it up to your retina, and you'll be able to get a better cancer diagnosis than the world's best oncologist. Now, when that type of technology is, becomes democratized, how does that change the role of that world best oncologist at the Mayo Clinic or Sloan Kettering or whatever? I don't know, because I can't, I can't predict the future. What I do know is his or her role is going to change when I have Watson on my phone. Yeah, just an example of this, and some of you have heard this story, but uh, of a, the, taking over from a journalist, and here's an innovation. I've, I've got an 11-year-old son who hit his first over-the-fence home run in baseball this year, so pretty excited. Yeah, yeah, big, go Sean. All right, deep to left. Um, and and we, we use a, a thing on the, the team, I'm, I'm one of the assistant coaches, and the, the app on the phone is called, appropriately enough, by the way, Game Changer. What's the name of the app? It's called Game Changer. And what it, any of you remember baseball scoring books? You know, and you have it right, and you have to keep score, and you know, four to three. Like, okay, right, this does it all on the app. And the dad or mom sits in the stands and just enters in pitch by pitch. You know, it, it, it dumps it all into a cloud-based application. We get spray charts on 11-year-olds. I mean, it's just like absolutely insane. You know, it's like, all right, we'll put the shift on this kid. You know, it's like, like really? All right, but here's the here's the thing that 
absolutely knocked my socks off is not only does it do that, and you get all of these statistics like it's coming out of you know the Major League Baseball, but it also then takes the stats and it writes a story about the game. And they can go to the, the website and you're like, you know, Sean Kless knocked one out of the park today. And it, it writes the story. And, what, and it's, it's, it's a predictive narrative, I think is the, the name of the company. And, you know, where they got their start? They're, they're the ones that are writing, that predictive narrative is, is writing the financial reports now. Like most of the, the reports that you read on Yahoo, the financial reports, are not written by human beings. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and that's even true for some articles that you read in Forbes or on the Huffington Post or in other, they're not touched by humans. There's no editor. So I don't know what that means for you, Dad. But, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so I just, uh, there's another, another example. Um, just want to set, set some expectations in about eight or nine minutes or so. We're going to start taking questions from you. So if you got them, Pete, I'm going to ask you to be on my Phil Donahue later. But you got a little bit of time. I'll point to you when we get questions. So if you've got them, start thinking about them. Um, we want to get questions and, and bring you guys in as well. Ron? And, and Ed, just to follow yeah, yeah. up on the, your Game Changer story, one of the things the Suskins write about in this book, The Future of the Professions, is what kills you doesn't look like you. Right? Uber is, what's the market cap of Uber? And it, it, it doesn't own a car. It doesn't own a, one cab. Tesla just exceeded Ford in market cap. <laughs> I, I, I assure you Ford didn't see that coming, uh, 10 or 15 years ago, and, and I think the disruptive technologies that we're talking about, especially blockchain, and I did want you to go down that road, Gary, because I want your opinion on it, blockchain has the potential to eliminate the auditing profession, I think. Triple entry, if you have a publicly distributed ledger, why do you need auditors? It, it's time-stamped, it's irreversible, it's, it's, it's by definition audited by the miners running the system. and. I don't know how all this is going to shake out, but there's no doubt that these technologies are disruptive for all classes of professions, not just us. So I just wanted to kind of expand that conversation. But, but Gary, you want to chime in on the blockchain? How do you see that impacting specifically auditors? Well, I, I think we're early in the process, and accounting has been slow in the process outside of the big four. The big four all have projects in this area. Below that, they're talking about it and they're trying to figure out what they're going to do. But I'll give you a little timeline. I think by 2020, we will have pilot projects running in parallel with existing accounting software. I think by 2025, that legacy software will be gone and we'll be running blockchain applications. The question I get asked all the time is, what's going to be the killer app here? And the best I can determine is you take your high volume transactional apps that are at the low end, like accounts payable, accounts receivable, and those are probably going to be the first things that are put into blockchain because they can be quickly verified. There's no question. Uh, they're immutable as to go back and change those. And it's all automated and it's transparent. And if this works the way I think it'll work, why wouldn't the government want to do this with regard to collection of taxes? All the politicians know is cash flow. They don't really understand the tax law. 
But if you could capture this early in the transaction, they'd at least get a one times or, or one time uh, increase in cash flow. So you're going to see blockchain in, in tax, and it's already happening outside the U.S. Um, I think Maryland or Del maybe it was Rhode Island, one of those states have been using a blockchain approach and uh, there's a lot of good stuff from the Justice Department. Silk Road, you've probably heard about that on the web. Blockchain was how they caught that. They were trying to take money out and they didn't know who it was at first and they ended up with a federal agent that was actually in the till. And we'll be back with Tom Hood and Jody's response to the blockchain question after this word from our sponsor and my employer, Sage. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Wherever your business is headed, Sage has the cloud solution you need to enable mobile accounting and simplify financial management. Discover how moving your financial data and accounting processes to the cloud can transform your business. Cloud accounting software from Sage can help you make better decisions, drive faster responses, and gain greater control. That's cloud accounting for the journey. For more information, visit sage.com forward slash US forward slash SOE. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Class. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. We join now the fourth and final segment of our first broadcast recorded live at Sage Summit 2017 in Atlanta with Tom Hood's answer on the question about blockchain and its impact on accounting. Tom, you have anything to add to that? And then also I'd like to, to get Joe to your perspective on it as well, yeah. I, mean, I think the, uh, the, the key with all these technologies is, and I think we, sh- we shouldn't underestimate the fact that despite all the automation, relationships are going to still be critical. So no matter how great a computer is, someone's still the, the, the human side of looking at someone in the eye and having that trust. I think this is, a, this is a great time for accounting and CPA professionals. I think this is a time where you, if you start to think about the technology and using it beyond just the general ledger, I think the general ledger, that's the old school version of the world, right? You need to, and I think what Sage has done with Sage Live, trying to move to front office stuff, CRM, sales, you know, we got to reimagine that. There's one quick story on, on big data. So this is like a little sub shop in a small town, and they used to close up every night around eight o'clock. And then one day they came in, they had this 
um, camera app that like would watch foot traffic in front of their store. And it was actually part of their security system. But as they started looking at the data, they realized that around 10 o'clock to 2 a.m., there's all this foot traffic because there was a bar down the street. So when, they, when the owner started looking at that data, they said, wow, if all this foot traffic, they're probably coming out hungry, right? They've been going in hungry and coming out. We're going to start a pizza thing. And they started like doubling their sales. So there's an example where you could be thinking about how you can help your clients with stuff that you might not normally think about, right? But you have to start reimagining, what could we do if we could actually get that data, right? Before, no one could ever do that. Now they can. So I think that's how we have to start thinking about blockchain. Any of these technologies, you have to kind of put your antenna up and start to go, well, what could I do if I could get access to that data? What could I do if I could see what's going on there and help my clients? That's not really all that new. My family used to tell a story about churches that would open at 4.15 a.m. when the bars would come out. So they would you know, get the people going to mass on the way after the, the 4 a.m. close in New York. So anyway, <laughs> good story though. Jody, what else you got? So I think small firms are um, positioned in the right place because they're agile and we can move a lot faster than the top 100 firms who can't figure out which way to go because there's too many ways to go. So um, I think small firms can really move fast here. And when I think about blockchain and I think about all these technologies, I always think about it uh, as what's in it for me, not necessarily thinking about how it's going to take away my job, but how it's going to add to my job today. And there are apps out there today that are using blockchain that are working. There's one called Veeam. And it transfers money overseas without a wire fee. So it only charges you the exchange rate. So a transaction that used to cost a small business $100 now costs between 15 and 20 depending on the size of the transaction, whatever. And if you can look at technology from that perspective as what's in it for me and what's in it for my client and how can I add value to my client today, I think it's a lot more practical approach than worrying about what's going to happen in 2025 because who knows what's going to happen in 2025. So I always think about technology and where it's at today and how to add value to my practice today using those new technologies because um, the small and agile are the ones who are going to move and be positioned to really make a difference. Um, I want to ask you, Gary Hamill wrote a great book. He's a professor at Harvard Business, uh, Harvard Business College, and he wrote a book uh, several years ago called The Future of Management. And the central premise was management innovation. He wasn't talking about operational innovation or product service innovation or even strategic innovation. He was talking about management ideas, the way organizations are run, hasn't evolved since about the beginning of 1930, 1910. In other words, all of the management ideas we use are over 100 years old. He thought this was a very bad sign, and I do too. And so we try to we try, when we think about innovation at Verisage, we don't just think about it in terms of product service or operational, like Lean Six Sigma and, and things that make you more efficient, or even strategic, as much time as we spend on business model changes and value pricing and intellectual capital leverage, KPIs, all of that. That's all strategic innovation. It's important. But management innovation, how do you run your firm? Things like a results-only work environment, things like after-action reviews, which literally transformed the U.S. Army. Things like Google time, giving 20% time to your, to your people so they can work on whatever the heck they want. That's anathema in a, a professional firm, because, especially one that bills by the hour, 
Because if you think about it, this topic that we're talking about, innovation, is the antithesis of efficiency. And yet, our profession is just bent on driving more and more efficiency. So I guess I wanted to ask the panel, and anybody can start, what specific management innovations have you seen in, in terms of how firms are actually run, what they measure, how they organize themselves for work, like results only? I, I would throw no timesheets in there because it changes what you measure, but what, what have you seen in that space? Or Jody, what have you done? Maybe I'll ask you specifically. What are you, have you done in your firm that you consider is a, a real management innovation? Well, first of all, people are hard. I mean, it's not easy. Management is the hardest thing to think about because it's really easy to think in data and it's really hard to think in people because people don't necessarily reflect the data. There's that subjective piece to it, right? So um, we don't keep time in our firm and everyone asks how we work while we manage work, right? But I think the big thing or the big thing that I think that really has to change in our profession is we have to get good at managing people and we have to have it be a focus point that yeah you can manage the work but you still have to manage that person and manage your culture. Is a so. CPA manageable? Oh absolutely. I really? think I so I wasn't. So, <laughs> That's why you're a recovering CPA, Ron. So, so one of the hard things, though, I think is, is that we have this kind of broken culture, and changing old school firm culture to new school firm culture is very difficult, right? Um, and I mean, culture is hard in general, right? But I think changing that old school mindset of someone who grew up in an old school firm and having them adapt to a new school firm is very hard. And I think we've had better luck with managing millennials or people who haven't had experience than trying to break someone who's been in an old school firm culture because the timesheet is mean and it, it doesn't teach them how to be human. So how do we bring that human back to our profession? Okay. Uh, on the side, anything? Gail, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Ron, I would say in answer to your question, I think CPAs are manageable. I don't think CPAs are good managers. So I think if you've got a good manager in the firm, someone who is a leader and can set a good example and can be firm about what he or she expects, you're going to have a staff that follows. But I think that finding that in the ranks of CPAs is difficult because traditionally the profession has attracted people who are very introverted, who don't want to get up and take a stand. Um, I think that might be changing. I think it better change because the, the people who are drawn to the sort of stereotypical light bulb over your head, green eye shade work that's you know repetitive <laughs> and monotonous um, are probably going to be uh, made irrelevant pretty quickly. But um, I think that the, the problem in management is with the people who are who are in the firms in those roles at the moment. Is yeah. it management or leadership? And I was going to say, I think it hinges on your definition of the word management, right? That's, I think that's, you're trying to make a point about that. And I, you, you can't, it, I, I don't think a, a knowledge worker is manageable. I really don't. I mean, because you can't micromanage how they do a task. You can give them a task. You can give them a deadline. You can give them the autonomy, the responsibility to do it. But you can't tell a surgeon how to perform that surgery. He's got to 
he or she's got to find his own way. So I guess, is it is it leadership we're talking about or management? You know, I think accounting work up to this point in time has been cookie cutter enough that it can be managed uh, and that the people doing it are expected to do it in the same way over and over and over again. So I think... That if something's manageable like that and predictable and repeatable, then maybe it should be automated. Oh, I absolutely think it should Right. Yeah. I think that's, yeah, yep. that's where I was going. Yep. Ron, I'll agree with you on the leadership part. I think that's absolutely a must. The firms that are doing the best have great leadership. But I also think that you heard this morning about the expansion of people and they've changed it from personnel to HR to people. We call it talent development. And you can manage people a lot better because they manage themselves if they know their expectations up front and they get the training they need and everyone's different. And that's why it's becoming even more difficult when you bring these other disciplines in. It's not just getting your CPA certificate and getting your CPE. That's a small part of the training part today. So I was very encouraged from what I heard from Sage this morning about the people application. And I think that could be a big opportunity for a lot of accountants because your clients are going to have to have this capability too. Thanks for listening to part one of our episode recorded live at Sage Summit 2017 in Atlanta. Part two will be airing June 9th, but next week we have our Free Rider Friday show. So we'll see you in 167 hours. This has been the Soul of Enterprise, business in the knowledge economy, sponsored by Sage. Energizing business builders around the world through the imagination of our people and the power of technology. Join us next week on Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific. In the meantime, please feel free to visit us at www.thesoulofenterprise.com.